Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 18, says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah or others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you. Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are. So I want you to do me a favor real quick before we dive all the way into this message. I want you to look at your neighbor, look at them real good, stare at them, look at, go ahead and do it. Don't, church should be enjoyed, not endured. This is, this is practice. Stare at your neighbor, look into the windows of their soul, act like they just said something about your mama, say, who do you think you are? Say, who do you think you are? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the men and women in this room. Father, I pray that your word speaks to us in a way that changes our lives. And all God's people said, amen. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but uh, your thinking matters. What you think about matters. So much so it is believed that the average person thinks anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And 70% of those thoughts are negative. 95% are the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. Your thoughts matter. The way we think is a choice, and we have to choose our thoughts wisely. We have to choose what we allow in our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, in this moment, right now, this second, all of us are either being conformed or transformed. Right now, in this moment, conformed is defined as shaped from the outside. It means shaped from the outside. If you're being conformed, you're at the mercy of whatever is happening around you. And every experience has the power to shape you from the outside. For example, if you had a bad week, you had a bad day, then you're bad. But if you had a good week, then you're good. If your boss was mean, then you're mean. Whatever happens to you on the outside, you're at the mercy of it. And then on the flip side, whatever, whatever is letting, happening around your life, you are the product of what is happening around you. But what God is doing on the inside of you, that's called transformed. That means shaped from the inside. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He changes us from the inside out into a new creation by the renewing of our mind, and we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. However, we either choose to be conformed to this world or transformed by the renewing of our mind because even though we cannot control everything around us, we can control and take captive of the thoughts inside of us. Who do you think you are? Simply put, if we want to change our life, we must let God change our mind. Because our thinking is so important, so much so that in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for as you think in your heart, so are you. Proverbs 4.23 in the Good News translation says, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Imagine if you will in this moment, imagine if you could, if I could see what you're thinking right now. Some of you are thinking about lunch right now. <laughs> some, some of you are thinking, hopefully it's not too long, I'm ready to get out of here because I, you know, I feel like I want to dine in a little bit. Some of you, imagine right now in this moment if there was a thought bubble on your forehead and people could see or read what you were thinking. For some of us, that's funny, and maybe for some of us, that's scary. You know, there are some people, uh, you can actually see what they're thinking on their face. You just see it all the time, like, yeah, that's, that's not good. You need to fix your face. But for others, no one really knows the battle that's going on between your ears. 
No one really knows what you're struggling with or what you're going through. Maybe you overthink. Maybe you don't think before you speak. Maybe your thoughts are negative. Whatever it is, I want you to know that our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our living follows our thinking. Your thoughts matter. Why? Because it's hard to give Jesus your heart when you continue to give Satan your mind. Some of you are not being attacked by Satan. You're being attacked by cycles. Consistent negative thinking, consistent stinking thinking. We just continue to have these same negative, repetitive, destructive thoughts. Who do you think you are? Because we cannot have a free life when we have a bound mind. And maybe you've heard it said that you are what you eat, but according to Proverbs 23, 7, you are not, you are not what you eat, you are what you think. Again, I ask you this morning, who do you think you are? This reminds me of a moment in my life when my thoughts about me didn't line up with the thoughts God had about me, when my thoughts almost got me in trouble, and oftentimes they do. But this was a moment in particular. Uh, Lindsay and I, we just moved to Mississippi. Well, actually, I did. It was March of 2015, and uh, I I did what any typical youth pastor thought to do. Uh, Our church was located one mile from the the biggest middle school in our city. Biggest middle school, one mile, literally walking distance. So I I took it upon myself that in order for me to be an effective youth pastor, I got to get in the schools. I got to be where students are. So I thought the best thing I could do was serve my local school. Because anytime I come into a city, and maybe you should know this, um, I, anytime I go into a place, I have this mindset that when I step into a room, this, this is my city. This is my school. I'm, the, I'm a pastor in this community. So that was my mindset. And I went in there thinking, what could I do to honor and serve this school? Well, I knew one of two things based on my brief uh, and many years ago history of high school that the two people who have access to the principal the most are the lunchroom teacher, the lunchroom ladies, and the secretary. So I figure if I'm going to get a meeting with the principal, I need to serve the lunchroom ladies and the secretary. So I, had, I took it upon myself to buy some donuts, and I was just going to go to the school, and I was going to say, hey, these are for you not the principal. And, you know, usually the the pushback would be, well, what do you want from me? I don't want anything. I'm here to serve you. This is on behalf of our church. Me as as a man of God, I just want to offer you these donuts. They're for you. And if you'll give me a moment, and I told the secretary of the administrative office, I said, if you'll allow me to go in the lunchroom right before lunch is served, I want to honor these lunchroom ladies. So I go in there, and I give them the donuts as well, and I speak to the head lunchroom lady. And I, I don't know why I keep saying lunchroom ladies. There are a few men on staff as well for any men that serve in the lunchroom. But uh, this legit was a lunchroom lady. And the way I remember, she had a hairnet and everything, gloves. So I said, ma'am, I bought some donuts for you and your staff. These are for you. If there's ever anything you can think of that I can do to serve you, please let me know. And I thought that was going to be it. I was going to leave. It was going to be like a little 30-minute exchange. I'm out. She said, you know what? There is something you can do. Anytime that you come in here, anytime, if you're coming to visit our students during the lunch period, there's one thing we, we ask that you do. Because we're, we're kind of shorthanded, and we have so many students. Like this middle school was only 7th and 8th grade, and it was 700 students. Only 7th and 8th grade. It was a huge middle school. She said, we have three lunches. If you don't mind, could you wipe down the tables in between <laughs> each lunch? In my mind, not my face, some of you know, not my, my mind, I literally said to myself, I am Will Caesar. I'm not about to wipe. No t- These little kids got holes in their mouth and holes in their necks. They don't know how to eat. I'm not about to wipe down. I'm not doing that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. 
And he said to me, and I am Jesus Christ, and if I was there, I would wash her feet. Who do you think you are? I said, give me the towel, man. (laughs) Give me the towel. But he asked me a very important question that day, and see, I had an identity that was unhealthy and rooted in pride. My thoughts about me weren't accurate, and God asked me a very important question that day. It was such an important question that it didn't just speak to my thought life. It spoke to my identity. He said, Will, who do you think you are? This is a big question. It's an intimidating question. It's a question of revelation, awareness, and purpose. It's a question of identity and introspection. If you're anything like me, you've probably asked yourself this question or some form of it at one point or another. And this is where many of us, if we're honest, live in a crazy tension where we define ourselves between the things we do, the things we've done, the things we think, or the things other people think about ourselves. And we ask ourselves the question, who do you think you are? However, one of the benefits of knowing who you are is knowing who you are not. In fact, I want to inform and remind some of who you are. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not a coincidence. You are not your circumstance. You are not your history, and you are not your heritage. You are not a problem. You are not what your daddy did, and you are not what your mama said. You are the answer God thought of that was needed for such a time as this. You are not a good idea. You are God's idea. And for some of us, you still think and you wrestle with that tension. You are created by God. You are called by God. You are God's child. According to 1 Peter 2.9, you are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You are God so that you can show others the goodness of God who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to ask you this morning, who do you think you are? Some of you are going to get behind a car. <laughs> You're going to get behind a car after church and they're going, to be, they're going to cut you off like, who do you think you are? It's going to be stuck in your head. To help you with this further, as I was preparing and praying, I must be honest with you, I struggled at first to find the right words to encourage, challenge, and inspire. This whole process started with me searching for some of my favorite verses, and I could use them to help reveal who you are. Some of the students used some of these verses earlier, verses like Philippians 4.13. And then I would say to you that that, that with God, there's nothing you can't do. Or maybe this one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I would say that God's plan for you includes a future and a hope, even if your present doesn't look like it right now. But this process led me in a completely different direction. As opposed to me thinking through some of my favorite verses, I decided I would share my least favorite verse in the Bible. Now, before you stone me, I didn't say I didn't like this verse. I said it was my least favorite verse and just one of them, my least favorite verse in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going to sum it up. It says that God created man from the very dirt of the earth. That God created us from dirt. Just let that bless you for a minute. Just let that bless your soul. That you came to church today to find out that you and I were made from dirt. God's children. Not diamonds, not pearls, not gold. Dirt. And in a culture where people are struggling with depression, low self-esteem, poor self-image, negative self-talk, comparison, and identity issues, if you've ever been tempted to think more highly of yourself than you ought to, the Bible is very clear that everybody in this room, every single person, everybody you already currently looked at, your neighbor is made from nothing but dirt. In fact, I want us to do something real quick. Uh, I, I like to do, I do this with, our, with students uh, usually. 
Um, but I, I, think, I think we can have some fun this morning. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at the person on your left. That's my left. Your left is that way. Look at the person on your left. For some of you, I'm directionally challenged. Look, <laughs> look at them real good. Okay, check them out. Now look at the person on your right. Look at them real good. Stare at them. You know, make, make it kind of awkward. Look at the, matter of fact, look at the person behind you. Go ahead and look at the person in, like way back there in the back. Now I need you to look up here at me. Look close. Because you may be thinking the person you just looked at, that you have nothing in common with the person that you looked at. But I want to tell you this morning that you'd be wrong. Every single person you looked at in this room, according to the word of God, is a dirtbag. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend you. I'm, I'm really not trying to offend you. But the Bible is clear that we came from and we were created from dirt. And it's just funny to me to think all the things that we do for our dirt. Before you got here, you washed your dirt. You put deodorant, I hope you put deodorant, on your dirt. Ladies, the money you spend on your dirt, uh-oh. You get your dirt manicure. You get your dirt pedicure. You get a mud bath. You put dirt on your dirt. You Mary Kay and Mac make up your dirt. The things we do for our dirt. Some of you get in tanning beds to get your dirt the same color or a closer color to James and Jason's dirt. The things that we do for our dirt. <laughs> and yet still, there are people in the room who have the nerve, the audacity to pull out their smartphone and take a picture of their self, talking about selfie, hashtag selfie, no, hashtag dirty. Everybody in this room is made from nothing but dirt. Speaking of phones, again, we already mentioned that. I want you to go ahead and pull out your smartphone if you have one. Go ahead and pull out your smartphone. If you don't have a smartphone, you got a mirror, ladies. You know, give your husband a mirror. Just I want you to pull out your phone real quick, and I want you to go to selfie mode. Just want you to pull your phone out. Just go to selfie mode. Shameless plug right here in this moment. As you're taking a selfie, you know, use that hashtag dirty, hashtag Dothan first. Uh, go ahead and post that. <clears throat> and increase our digital footprint. But uh, <laughs> go ahead and put your phone in selfie, in selfie mode. And I want you to look at yourself for seven seconds. Just stare at yourself for a moment. We'll take a moment. You can go ahead, you know, some of you husbands, you can take pictures with your spouse. I'm like, we had church today. We had fun. <laughs> Just for seven seconds. Now, the overwhelming majority, the first thing you did was try to fix what you saw was out of place. Studies prove that most people cannot look at themselves for seven seconds without looking away or thinking that something is wrong with them. That something is wrong with them. And the reason why is because the moment you have to look at yourself, you have to look at everything in you that you don't like. This proves that the verse we read earlier, that our lives are mirrors of our minds. Our lives are reflections of our thoughts. That's why when we look in a mirror, we don't see what we see. We see what we think. Who do you think you are? I've got to be honest. I, honest, I took issue with the fact that we came from dirt. Come on, somebody. I, I got mad. Dirt has never had a positive connotation. When we talk about somebody with cheap spending habits, we say, man, you are, you're cheap as dirt. Or we talk about somebody with a, with a bad, with, with, like they, they speak bad, they, they don't have a, a good vocabulary. We say, man, you got a dirty mouth. Y'all, we got a whole store called Dirt Cheap. It's, it's just never, it's never had a positive connotation. I got, I got a real issue with this. This was problematic for me, especially in reference to who created us and the greatness of our God. You know, we serve a great God. 
He does everything with beauty. He does everything with wonder. He does everything with excellence and splendor. He doesn't do basic. He doesn't do ordinary. He does everything extraordinary. He is the interior designer and decorator of heaven. He made the streets of heaven with gold and the gates of heaven with pearl. But when he got ready to make you and I his prized possession, the apple of his eye, he looked at us and said, you know what I'm going to use? I'm going to use dirt. Y'all, I was so mad when I read that verse. And then God starts speaking to me. He said, there's something in this that he wanted to show me. Since the beginning of time, God has been trying to teach us something about what he does with what you think is nothing. He says, I have a supernatural knack for turning what you think is nothing into something. We should be glad that we serve a God who is holy, yet he is not afraid to get his hands dirty. That he is not afraid to work with things that are dirty. That he spoke everything else into into existence. But when it came to us, he put his hands on us. He formed us. He shaped us. He wants to put his hands on dirt. And in a culture that is quick to judge and write people off that says, no, get that dirty person away from me. Get that thing away from me. God says, no, bring me that dirt. Bring me that person. I want to put my hands on that person. I can shape that dirt. I can use that dirt. I have purpose and identity for that dirt. Aren't you glad this morning that God uses dirt? Who do you think you are? See, I've made an observation all throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to the maps. That went over some of y'all's head. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is obsessed with making sure that you and I live with an accurate understanding of who he says we are. He seems to be consumed with constantly and consistently, repeatedly communicating to his people this idea of identity and his his ability to get us to see ourselves the way that he sees us. But if God knows everything and forgets nothing, why does God constantly and regularly repeat himself to us? I believe because he wants us to know exactly who we are. He is repeating himself for our benefit, not his. Because my life is not just a reflection of what I think about me. My life is also a reflection of what God thinks about me. And I need to think of myself the way that God sees me. I need to think of myself based on the words God says about me. Because if you don't see yourself correctly, you won't live correctly. If you think negatively, you'll see negatively. If you think like a victim, you'll live like a victim. If you think like you're bound, you'll live like you're captured. Listen, just because you don't think low of yourself, because there's some people in the room that you're probably thinking, I don't have these negative thoughts. I don't have low self-esteem. I don't have thought issues. Like, I feel, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm okay. Like, the, the way I think about myself is really not that bad. Just because you don't think low of yourself doesn't mean you think right about yourself. It's impossible to have a positive life if you have a negative mind. Therefore, in order for God to change my life, God has to help me change my mind. This is so important because the area of identity is the area the enemy often attacks in an attempt to undermine God's intended plan for your life. I'm going to say that again. This is so important because the area of identity is the area that the enemy often attacks in an attempt to undermine God's intended plan for your life. And the enemy is trying to rob you of your identity by calling you something you're not and taking from you something he didn't even give you. And in John, Jesus calls Satan some names. John 8, 44, he calls him a liar. In John 10, 10, he calls him a thief. And this is the first adjective that Jesus uses to describe Satan. It's the first time we are able to see the activity of the enemy by the names of the enemy. And Jesus calls the enemy a liar and a thief. So I'm going to mess with your theology real quick. Because some of you think Satan is just this, this dumb, unintelligent being 
that just, just haphazardly does random stuff to cause mischief and mess up your life. But Satan isn't stupid. You may think that, but he's not stupid. And he wants to narrate and name every event and season in your life. He is that strategic. He wants to put thoughts in your mind, and he doesn't just steal everything. He steals certain things. So if Jesus calls the enemy a thief and a liar, my question is, why would you let a liar tell you who you are? Why would you let someone who didn't design you define you? Why is this important? Because it's not just what you're called, it's what you answer to. Thoughts don't, it's not just your thoughts that matter, your names matter. And if we're not careful, we will let a suggestion from the enemy become our identity. I want to ask you this morning, who do you think you are? Matthew 16, 17, 18, I want to read it again. It says, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. Here's the thing. When you don't know your identity, you will try to discover who you are by looking for yourself in the wrong places and in the wrong people. You'll be looking for identity on Instagram. You'll be looking for identity in likes and comments and other people's opinions and thoughts about you. But listen, you better stop scrolling through social media looking for identity and finding depression. Because nobody's posting their real life. Nobody's posting the things that they really think about themselves. Nobody's posting their dirt. See, God wants to bless who you're supposed to be, not who you post to be. God wants to bless you, not who you pretend to be. He wants to bless the original, not the imitation. I want to tell somebody this morning that comparison is slow suicide. It is a slow killing of your uniqueness and individuality because whatever you compare yourself to is what you reflect. And you are not made in the image of who you compare yourself to. You are made in the image of who created you. Who do you think you are? Why am I telling you this? Because you can never change the world if you look like it. We can't change our city, our church, our community, our schools, our state, our house, ourselves, if we're too busy trying to copy and conform to a world that we were created to change. The truth is, you cannot know who you are until you know who you are. You will not know who you are until you find out who you belong to. Ultimately, Jesus fills in the blanks of who you think you are. Matthew 16, 17, and 18 again says, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are. The truth is we never can answer who we are, only God can. This is what it means to be Christian, to be like Christ, to love like Jesus, to lead like Jesus, to look like Jesus, and to live like Jesus. There's so much to this question, but in order to accurately answer who we think we are, we must first answer, who do you think Jesus is? Because only when that question is personalized does it become the most important question ever asked or ever answered. Peter realized that knowing Jesus is the beginning of knowing himself. So the same question Jesus asked the disciples, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to ask him. My prayer for you this morning is, Father, who do you say that we are? Father, who do you think that I am? Because if we're honest, some of you walked in this church this morning, some of you walked into our family this morning, maybe you're watching online and you're sitting at home, but you came here this morning wondering, who am I? Who do I belong to? Who, whose image and whose likeness am I really made in? Because they say I look like my daddy, but I'm, I really look like my decisions. Peter realized that apart from God, it is impossible to get a clear picture of who we are because our identity and our thoughts are so intricately and intimately, inseparably tied together. 
he realized I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not who people say that I am. My only point this morning, I had one point. My only point this morning, I hope you write this down, is I am who God says I am. I just came to remind some and inform others, you are who God says you are. I didn't come with some deep theological truth that would change your life forever, but this will change your life forever if you allow God to change your mind. I am who God says I am. My thoughts about me must line up with the word God has spoken over me. Verse 17, again, there's so much in these two verses. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Your mom and dad didn't reveal this to you. Your grandparents didn't reveal this to you. Young person, you cannot get to heaven on your parents' faith. Your parents didn't reveal this to you. Your grandparents didn't reveal this to you. Your father in heaven revealed this to you. And only then did he discover his identity. So before we ask God who we are, I want you to ask yourself, who do you belong to? I want to ask you, what labels and thoughts are you living with that have been placed on you? What thoughts are you living with that Jesus already died for? I'm just like my dad, Pastor Will. Jesus already died for that. You you have no idea what one of my family members did to me. Jesus already died for that. You have no idea the negative thoughts that I wake up to, the thoughts of suicide, the thoughts of taking my own life. Jesus already died for that. Who do you think you are? Because here's the thing, you know, I can tell if someone has clarity as it relates to their identity based on the way they pray. Not their posture or their confidence, not how much money they got, not the job they have, but the way that they pray. And parents, you know this, because children talk to their father differently. Sons and daughters go boldly before the throne of grace. They are not ashamed to make bold requests. Why? Because they know who their father is. I want to ask you, do you pray like a servant or do you pray like a son or a daughter? Do you pray like you're bound? Who do you think you are? My prayer is that you will see yourself, think about yourself, and speak over yourself who you are, that you will start saying, I'm loved, I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm royal, I'm precious, I'm special. I'm beautiful, I'm necessary, I'm needed. I am who God says that I am. Your thoughts are not facts, but they are real. Your thoughts are not facts, but they are real. So we need God to change our mind today because your life will always go to the, le- the next level in life head first. We want God to transform and renew your thinking. And the best way we can do that is to repent. Repentance is defined as a changed mind. It's not just turning in a different direction. It's a changed mind. We need to repent our thinking. There's nothing more powerful than a changed, repentant, transformed mind. When you change your thoughts, you change your life. What you think really is a choice. And you can spend your life thinking about the wrong things or you can make up in your mind that you would think about the right things. And Philippians 4.8 is a good verse for you to start focusing. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I believe there's some people in the room some people online who will no longer let their thinking dictate their life. I wonder if there's anyone brave enough in the room just to indulge me. 
but to honor God that you're going to think about him. If there's anybody brave enough in the room that you'll stand to your feet and you'll lift your hands, you'll say, I am who God says I am. Go ahead. If there's anybody brave enough in the room that'll stand on their feet and you'll lift your hands and you say, I am who God says I am. Father, I am who you say I am. I am who you called me to be. Father, I'm not what my father did and I'm not what my mama said. I'm none of those things that my family has placed on me. I'm not my heritage, but I am a son of the king. Father, I pray that we would identify ourselves by the identity you have given us and not the history we have experienced. That we would identify ourselves by the words you have spoken over us and not the words we have spoken over ourselves or the words that other people have said about us that we would embrace our God-given identity and not be ashamed by it, but walk in it. Father, in this moment, I pray that depression, comparison, anxiety, and any lie that Satan has spoken over us is to be removed. Father, in any demonic prophecy that we've spoken over ourselves, that it be removed in the name of Jesus. And that it be replaced with who God says that we are. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for what you're doing in our people. And Father, anybody in this room that thinks differently about themselves now, we ask this in your name. And everybody said real loud, amen. 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 Amen.